extend your hands. I want us to pray for Nikki. Jesus, we thank you for Nikki, Lord. I just ask you, Jesus, that you would release all that she carries this morning. And Lord, we, we even as a body, as a church, we just say we receive you. We receive you. We receive the gift of prophecy that you walk in. We receive um, the history that you have with the Lord. And this morning, we just come with open arms, with open hearts to say, we're ready to receive all that you carry. And Lord, I just bless Nikki. I bless the Kamali family. We honor them. We honor you, Nikki, for the place that you carry in this house. We honor you for who you are and for what the Lord is doing. And we just say yes to all that you have. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. So good. So good to have you this morning. It is an honor to be here. I love my house. Uh, I remember when we first came here almost 10 years ago, uh, I asked my kids one Sunday, like, what do you love about Convergence? And they said, well, at Convergence, you don't just read the Bible, you do the Bible. And, <laughs> and I feel like that's what's happened today. Like, we didn't just read about uh, Jesus' grand entrance into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday that we remember as believers. We just did it, you know. <laughs> like, we don't just read the Bible. We do the Bible. So I love, I love this house. I love my family and uh, community here. And I really appreciate what Andrew has opened up in profound ways to us as a body about the table and, and the place of intimacy and connection with Jesus at the table. And one reason why that's been so uh, fruitful here in the house is because Andrew and Emily actually sit at the table with them. And so, yes, they have a son of redemption, but I've personally for years wa watched them sit at the table with the, with the redeemer <laughs> in pain and loss and not knowing what was going to happen next. A lot of surgeries, a lot of unknowns. And I've watched you, Andrew, sit at the table with the redeemer. And I know Emily's watching. I've watched you, Emily, sit at a table with the redeemer and so just honor you and what you carry. And yes, the son of redemption, Caleb, we're just so thankful. Um, but he's also not the answer, right? We don't look for our kids or anything else to fulfill those deep needs in our heart of loss. And I appreciate, again, the integrity of, of Andrew and Emily's heart, that they always looked at Jesus, that Jesus and his work on the cross, his resurrection was the answer he is redemption, regardless of what we see on our side. He is redemption. So, um, so yes, thank you, Jesus, for all of this. And I want to build not only on the table and this place of fellowship today here on Palm Sunday, but I also want to tie in what Steve opened up last week as he preached a sermon on Laodicea, probably not the most happy church in Revelation 3. I'm not going to re-preach his message. I couldn't do it justice. Go check it out. If you weren't here last week, it was really profound. And I appreciate the way Steve took that, um, took that church and really it was full of hope and life and not like condemnation of like do better, you know. So it was really good. But the, there's this one moment in the sermon when Steve was preaching and he got to the part in Revelation 3 where Jesus is ur urging the Laodiceans to come to him and get from him eye salve to anoint their eyes so that they may see, he says. Because their current condition, they actually weren't seeing themselves the w where they really were. And he wanted to heal their eyes. He wanted them to come and touch their eyes with this eye salve. And the minute he was like expounding on that moment, I was 
I was listening to this, the Lord immediately reminded me of two dreams, separate times I had two years ago. Um, one was in May, one was in June, about ISAV. And the first dream, I was here in the church, and we were having just encounters with the Lord. And the, there was this encounter station. God bless you, Jason and Kim, for all your years of encounter stations, right? But there was this place of encounter here where we were to go and get ISAV and apply it to, to the eyes of our heart, um, not, not our actual eyes. And I remember coming out of that dream, and, and honestly, I just felt like it was for me. I felt like in a fresh way the Lord wanted to touch the eyes of my heart with his, with his oil, with that ISAV, healing new places. It never gets old letting Jesus touch your heart, right? And so I just, I, I settled in that dream. It was so powerful. And I've lingered in it many times over the last couple of years. A month after that dream in June of um, same time frame, 2021, I had another dream. And in this dream, uh, again, we were here and there was, the Holy Spirit was moving powerfully. And Steve was preaching. And of course, he was preaching like he was last week on us being full of fire and, this, and the Holy Spirit, right? That we were always meant to burn. And so he began, to lay, he began to lay hands on people, and I, in the dream, thought, oh, because I've ministered with Steve for years now, he's about to just release more fire, and he's about to release just more, right? Because if, you know, if you know Steve, if you've been around him long enough, that is the theme of his life. There's always more in God, which should be the theme of all of our lives. I appreciate the way you've carried that and championed that forever. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's, it's a big deal. Anyway, but when he, he actually came off the stage, and when he started laying hands on people in the dream, he wasn't praying um, for, for those things specifically. He actually began laying his hands on people's eyes and releasing ISAV to heal eyes. And so I'm telling you all of that because I was sitting here, and last week the Lord said to me, I'm doing it now corporately. It's happening in a fresh way. I've come to manifest myself as the healer of eyes and apply the, that ISAP just like he, he said he would for those who would come to him to ask of him. So I'm going to tie this with scripture, and I believe we're entering into an encounter and a moment today with the ISAP of heaven to touch the eyes of our hearts and our eyes to see, to see clearly, to see him clearly, to see ourselves clearly, and I believe it's about to break open things in a powerful way. So let me lay a groundwork of scripture, and we're going to just dive right into what the Lord has for us, okay? Is that good with everybody? We're good? Tracking? Yay. So I'm, again, I'm not going to preach Steve's sermon again, but I want to go back to Revelation 3 that started all of this. And he's saying this again to the Laodiceans. You say I am rich, that I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you be can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Ephesians 1.17, Paul writes, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened 
in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people, and his incomparably, incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul, in talking about this, right? So we're, you see the connection in those two passages with seeing and knowing. They didn't know their condition, the Laodiceans in Revelation chapter 3, because they could not see. I mean, it seems obvious, but I just want to state it because for me, I'm, I'm a mom and I like things to be very practical and, and very helpful. They did not know because they could not see it. He wasn't actually saying that they weren't believers. He wasn't condemning them. He was simply pointing out, you just don't see right now. Let me give you eyes up so that you may see, right? And then Paul's preach. he's praying that apostolic prayer there in Ephesians, saying that he's praying for light to come into the eyes of their heart that they may see so that they may know him better, right? So seeing and knowing are intricately entwined. Paul goes on to write in Philippians 3, 7. He says, but for whatever were gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss um, compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, right? For whose sake I've lost all things. I consider that garbage that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. There is no greater thing, Paul's writing here, than knowing Jesus, than the simplicity of just knowing him. And it is simple. What I'm saying to you is simple. But I would, I would like you to see right now that it is supernatural to actually know him. It's requiring salve to heal us, and it's requiring a spirit of revelation and a spirit of wisdom from God to actually open up our eyes that we may see. You don't come to know him by your own natural means. I'm not asking you today, I'm not prepping the, the, the process today that you get it together today so that you know him better because there's no getting it together good enough to know him. There is a surrender to say, Lord, I just want to come to you. That's what he was saying to the Laodiceans. Just come. Just come. He wasn't condemning him. He wanted, to, he wanted them to come. He, wanted to, he was knocking at the door. He wanted them to come to the door, open the door, and come in and fellowship. It's going to require this supernatural touch from heaven to touch us. And, and knowing him changes everything. There's so much writing on what you know about him, how you know him, not just about him. Let me clarify. Because plenty of people know about him. Even Paul knew about him, right? Remember, he was Saul before he came Paul, and he knew all about Jesus, but he didn't know him yet. And when he just knew about Jesus, when he just heard about him, he persecuted the church. He was a terrorist. He was very much against Jesus. It wasn't until he had an encounter with Jesus that he knew him, that he was changed and transformed from Saul to Paul. Knowing Jesus transforms us. Knowing him changes everything. It's the lens by which we look at everything in life. 
We go from one place to the other simply by knowing him. And we can't know him unless we're healed. If those eyes have been wounded, then we actually don't see him rightly. We don't see ourselves rightly in the place of wounding. The last thing that hurt you will be the last thing you see if he doesn't heal you. The last thing that hurt you will be the last thing you see unless he heals you. This is why I saw he's come to heal, not to condemn, but to heal. For me, I, I remember I've told this story before. Um, about 15, 16 years ago, I, I couldn't sleep at night. I was so tormented with anxiety and fear and darkness. It was awful night after night. And I knew about Jesus, of course. I knew about his peace, but I actually didn't know peace. And it wasn't until I began encountering him as father, and I knew him as father, that peace finally came, that my father is taking care of me. And I stayed in that knowing place, right? That's, what, that's why we keep using the picture of the table, that we stay there. It wasn't an Instagram reel that I scrolled by on the middle of the night when I'm being tormented. I'm telling you, the snapshots of social media will not get you through a tormenting night. It's when I lingered there and I kept looking at Father who's taking care of me, a Father who loves me that broke through the mere awareness. I could have told you before that, that time I encountered him as father, I could have given you the Sunday school answers. I knew about it, y'all. We know a lot of information. We're all getting more information than we ever had. The, the call of the hour, though, is to stay and look at him until you know him and it transforms you. And again, in that place that we allow him to, to come, we come to him and we let him touch the place and we heal, let him heal the places that were broken where we don't see rightly, right? Come and heal the eyes of our heart that were wounded. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation come upon us that we may know him. Just a couple weeks ago, I was struggling with unforgiveness to a couple of people. And I'm an expert on forgiveness. I've been doing it a long time. I mean, you know, I, I know it's not very mature of me to even confess that right now. But what I was more focused on in this moment, Jesus came to me and said, you keep wanting them, you keep saying in your heart, Nikki, you want them to pay you back for what they did. And he reminded me of that story, you know, the one of the, of the worker that owed the master a lot of money, the parable that Jesus told. And the, and the master, he forgave all the debt, right? And then that guy, like a crazy man, goes over and doesn't forgive the debt of the person that owed him money, even though it was just a small amount. And it's easy for me to look at that and look at that guy and be like, that is stupid. You know, it's so stupid. Well, it's not stupid if all you can see is what's owed you. But if that man had looked and gazed upon the master, right, the guy, and, and been so enamored with, oh, my goodness, you forgave everything. You paid my debt. So even anything else that's owed to me, I have a feeling you're such a good master, you'll probably take care of that too. 
So in this fresh moment, y'all, see, I could say, well, I'm familiar with forgiveness. I've done it really well for decades. But in this fresh moment of pain, the Lord was like, let me come and heal your heart. And then look at me and look at all that I've done for you, Nikki. Look at how much I've forgiven you. Just, just gaze upon me. So that's what I did. This isn't rocket science. If it is, I say this all the time, I couldn't do it. So I just let him come and apply salve to my heart so I could gaze upon the glorious inheritance of what he's given me. He's forgiven so much. He's paid my debt. He's done so much for me. And so, yes, this person hurt my heart, but it's small in comparison to what he's done. And even this pain, he will heal. Even what I needed from this person, he will provide. But I'm not, but if we're just going through the motions, it's easy to pretend we're living in forgiveness and pretend we're living in the reality of Christ when we're actually just going through the motions. And there's, a, there's this cry in my heart today to stop and not just go through the motions, not scroll by Jesus right now, who's very present, y'all, but to stop and look upon him, gaze upon him, and meditate on what he's done. And so then I freely, y'all, let me tell you, I, well, first of all, I, I really don't want to be stupid. That's a real desire in my heart. Don't be stupid. So, like, I forgave, I released, and I, I blessed. My heart's been so at peace, so at peace to not have to rehearse those scenarios in my mind. Why do we need to know him? Why do we need these places? It's because each one of you are facing the same things. Each one of you are in the middle of circumstances and trials and problems that I can't even begin to imagine or name to each one of you today, despite having, yes, I, I know certain things, but I don't know everything only he knows. But I know that if you were to see him in a fresh way today, there is release of provision because we need him. We so desperately need him. There's nothing greater than knowing him and seeing him and what he wants to give and provide to us today. And even when I was preparing this message, a part of me was like laughing. I'm talking about knowing Jesus. But I just feel the fear of the Lord that I don't carry that attitude in my heart. If we're going to spend all eternity with him, knowing him, there must be so much more that we don't know. There must be so much more that we haven't seen, we haven't encountered. And if heaven is supposed to be on earth right now, heaven is him. Heaven is knowing him and letting him come in to do what he wants to do. So we need this ISAV. We need the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. What I'm speaking about is not natural. Again, it is supernatural. It is a gift from him that he's freely given to us and we have full access to as the sons and daughters of God. We don't even have to strive for it. It's as simple as, again, what Steve reminded us, he's just knocking and we just open the door. It's that simple. There's no striving in this place. Another reason why we need the ISAV and we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation is because looks can be deceiving. And sometimes what we see in our circumstances or even about Jesus 
is actually wrong. Now, I'm not preaching fear right now. I'm just preaching humility, actually. I actually have a lot of humility. People, I have a lot of humility in my life because I'm aware of when I've been wrong. When I just knew, I knew that I knew. And then I was like, oh, I was, I was wrong. I mean, as much as I would like to say that Craig has been the only one wrong in our marriage, <laughs> I have been wrong a lot, and I have had to own up to that, that I don't see everything perfectly. I don't know everything, and I'm not God. Again, why I'm needing him to come and continue to illuminate, bring that light in, right, to see. And so I want to tie this part in of, of of the revelation of Jesus to illuminate things that maybe we just didn't know or didn't see right, okay? Yeah? So on Palm Sunday, what we're celebrating today, in Matthew 21, it is in all four Gospels. I'm going to largely go from the passage from Matthew. Jesus comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, and they are. They are singing just like what we are singing today. They are here he is, right? The king, he's come. And there it is a great entrance, right? Even says so in my Bible, right? Triumphal entry into Jerusalem, right? It is triumphant. And I wonder if Peter, who really wanted Jesus to just take charge. Like, remember Peter through the gospel? He didn't like it when Jesus talked about dying, right? He's like, don't talk about that. That's defeat, you know? Like, we're here to win, and not lose, because Peter was so acquainted with losing. His experience, his pain, was tied into losing and loss. And so, of course, the Messiah was to help them win again, because the Jewish people had suffered so much loss. That's what their eyes had seen. That had been their circumstance, and their experience was loss. So the thought of losing Jesus, not a great idea, not a great plan. I love a good plan. If you know me, you know I love a good plan. And Peter's like, that is not a good plan. Let's change the plan. How about you not die? You stay alive and you just take control. And then Jesus, of course, does that little get behind me Satan thing. Now, I don't think that was because of the planning. <laughs> Sweetheart, just <laughs> he still loves a good plan. But it was just, you know, Peter just had a bad plan in that moment. It was just a bad plan. No. So he comes in on a donkey, and I just want to take the perspective of Peter for a moment. This is looking good. Yeah? King, even if it is a donkey, he probably wished it would have been a horse, but he, he got it, right? He was spiritual enough, Peter. This is Nikki and her interpretation, just so we know clearly. I know this is not in the Bible, but you know, like maybe he wanted it to be a horse. I would have wanted it to be a horse. Okay, okay, I get it. He's quoting scripture in the prophecies. I get it, Jesus, right on that donkey to fulfill the prophecy that you came in, you know, on a donkey as a humble king, no problem. But it's looking good, right? And then after that in Matthew, he talks about Jesus clearing the temple. Again, a nice power move, right? He goes in the temple. He clears out the bad guys. Still looking good. Now he's cursing a fig tree. You can read all of this in Matthew 21. It's a, it's a pretty good Strong start to the entry into Jerusalem. He's doing teaching. Now, some of the teaching, I could say, would be a little bit disconcerting. Some of it, not totally sure what all of it means. But so far, so good. 
Jesus is looking like a king and probably, even though he said some confusing things about dying, maybe that's not how this is going to go. But then it all goes downhill by Matthew 26, y'all. And I'm laughing right now because it is a little bit funny, but it really is. It's really, it gets bad fast. Even, so he's at now in Matthew 26, he's at the, at the Passover meal with his disciples, what we, Andrew and so many other of our, of our staff have been preaching on, right? And he's at the Passover and he's telling them about the new covenant. So Jesus is literally at this table explaining to his disciples that the power structure, the authority, the covenant that they've known their entire lives and that the world has known since the time of Abraham is about to change. He's literally saying everything you knew about Abraham and Moses, all that old covenant, everything you knew about your interactions with God is about to change. I am instituting a new covenant. Again, that sounds really good. Until right after that, he says, and one of you will betray me. And you, Peter, will deny me. Right there at this table, he says something so powerful. And right beside it, that does not sound like success. And then he goes on to say, even after that, and the sheep are about to scatter. Yeah? And then from that table, he goes into the Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's overwhelmed. He's no longer on a donkey, y'all. Nobody is saying, save us. Because it's beginning, the reality is dawning on the disciples. No one is about to save Jesus. Peter sees that. He's not fighting anymore. He's not on a donkey. There's no praise band here. We're not clearing out the temple anymore. And they are coming to arrest him. They're here to arrest him. Right after they said he was the king, he's getting arrested. So Peter does what he thinks is right in his own eyes. He's trying to win. He's still trying to win in the way he thinks about winning. So he takes out his knife, cuts off the guy's ear. And Jesus, golly, he, to the very people arresting him, he still picks up the ear and heals the guy, the very people that are arresting him. Why? Because Jesus is not swayed by any of these circumstances. Yes, it's overwhelming, but he knew his father and he knew who he was, Jesus says. And he said, no one comes to take my life. I give it freely. And even though the disciples didn't understand it and Peter didn't understand and it didn't look like he was making power moves. Jesus was making the biggest power moves we've ever seen on this planet. He was literally marching in the direction of his crucifixion because he was not, his life was not being taken. He was giving it. And he knew exactly what was happening because Jesus' eyes could see. And even though Peter didn't know that he was winning, Jesus knew Jesus knew. Do you see? It's only when we see as Jesus sees and know as he knows. And the only way we know that is if we know and see him, that we can know and see what he's seeing. So it continues. He's arrested. 
He's flogged. It's bad. And then he has the most humiliating death that you can imagine. He is crucified on a cross with criminals. The king of the Jews, they are mocking him openly. It started out as the triumphal entry, and it is ending in utter humiliation. This is humiliation at the finest level on the earth scale. It doesn't get worse than this. And Peter does deny him. Maybe because he didn't really know him, like he, he didn't know what was going on anymore, right? And it's really interesting because it says there that this moment on the cross of utter humiliation the sheep have scattered. The only people that remain are John and a few women, right? This is what it says in Colossians 2.13 about what it looks like earthside, but what was really happening on the cross. In Colossians 2.13, it says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He is taking it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. What looked like on the earth realm as the greatest moment of humiliation and defeat was actually one of, led into three days of the most defining, crucial, victorious moment of human history. And very few saw it and understood it. This was the biggest moment, and it doesn't look like it, y'all. Looks can be deceiving. And there are places in our lives we are assuming things about Jesus and about our circumstances. And I am urging you today, let the eye salve touch your eyes so that you can see him the way he really is and what he's really doing. And the, I'm in awe of Jesus, right? I'm totally in awe of Jesus, who doesn't have a victim mentality at all this entire time. He's not lashing out at anybody. He's forgiving while on the cross. And here I am, got a bad attitude two weeks over this little thing, you know? He's literally being crucified. And innocent. He did nothing wrong. And yet, Father, forgive me. Forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Because he knew they didn't know. They, could, they did not know because they couldn't see. But he was dying so that he could give them ISAP so that they could see. He's not lashing out. He's so powerful. He's just engaged in and, and what he's always known about who he is, he's still connected with his father. I mean, Jesus, you're just amazing. Isn't this just amazing just to ponder it? Golly. And then I think about the ones who did stay and didn't, weren't scattered. And, and they don't give us all the explanations. Again, this is just Nikki, because I just, you know, I read this stuff, and I'm like, I wonder what that means. And I'm just... I'm not making a new Bible, and this is not scriptural. This is just Nikki's process with Jesus right now. And I'm looking at the people who stayed, and it's interesting who they are. It says, near the cross, this is actually out of John, 
near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, and also his disciple whom he loved, which we know is John, because John liked to remind us that Jesus loved him. Yes, he did. He could see. But I wonder if those who stayed there with him were the ones who did see him and did know him. Mary, who knew him as that mother, that she believed who he was when the angel told her. And her entire life, she, she said, let it be unto me according to your word. And she saw it and she knew who her son really was. She knew him. And she wasn't leaving him. Because she knew him. That he really was the savior. And maybe she didn't get how this was going to happen. She may not have known the full revelation that he was disarming principalities. And he was disarming everything that stood against us. But she knew him. And she knew this wasn't the end because she knew him. Mary Magdalene, who came from hell, who was delivered by demons. She knew her life before, and she knew her life after, and she knew him. Maybe she did think, I'll die in this, because, you know, everybody was scared. Am I going to get arrested too, maybe? But maybe she knew, I don't even have life apart from him. That's how I feel on my, on my hard days. I don't always feel like the woman of faith, like, I think Mary, the mother of Jesus, is pretty cool. But sometimes I feel like Mary Magdalene. I haven't had seven demons cast out of me, y'all, just in case you were wondering. But I have had to deal with so much darkness. And the only life that I've ever known was him. I've known what it's like to not have him. And I know what it's like to have him. So maybe she's just like, I'm staying. And John, that he knew that he was loved. Wow. I, I don't think it's our, I don't think it's our great um, ideas about Jesus that keep us at the table, keep us at the place, at the cross that he prophesied at that table. I think it's just that we know him. We remember him. And so we stay with him because we know there is no life apart from him. And we do need him. When we are at our most vulnerable, or when we have been at our most vulnerable, that is when we are most likely to make judgments about God. When you were at your most vulnerable, when you got hurt, when it was painful, that's when it's, y'all, that's when either we did make a judgment. When I mean by judgment, I'm not saying that you shook your fist at God. It's just easy to believe things based on the appearance than who he really is. I've done it, right? That's when we're in danger of, of denying who he is. And I'm not saying the denial of that we would leave, right? Because we're too smart for that, y'all. We just linger in the place of we just don't believe him anymore. In that thing, anyway. We fill it up with something else. That's what happened with the Laodiceans, right? At some point, they knew they needed clothing, that they had a need. They just got it filled with something else. That's all Jesus is saying. 
They just went somewhere else. They saw something else, right? And he's just saying, let me heal where you were vulnerable and you got hurt so that I can give you way better clothes. Such better, yes. I have so much more for you. I have so much more I want to give you. I'm here knocking, let me in so that you can know me and I can know you, right? My, uh, my sister Sarah gave me permission to share this story. Um, so as many of you know, we grew up, um, my siblings, I have other sisters who are here, they're all amazing. My sisters are awesome. Yeah, they are. Looking at you, looking at you. Yes, I am. Um, they're all like, where are they? <laughs> right over there, yeah. Anyway, so we grew up with a dad who was an addict, a lot of abuse, a lot of abandonment. And my sister Sarah came to Jesus um, at this one point in her journey. She's, she's so powerful and walking with the Lord. So this is just about her history, y'all. Um, and she came to Jesus because she really struggled with the story about Jesus leaving the 99 to go after the one. And she came to him just really humbly and was just like, Jesus, I just, I'm going to kind of read what she says. She was like, that just feels really weird to me for some reason. I was like, Jesus, it just doesn't make sense since they need you too. This feels like abandonment. Now, do you see like she's looking at that story from the place of the wounding of I was abandoned. Why would you leave them? I, I mean, that's really nice. You're going after one, but that feels like abandonment. And then he, because he knows that Sarah speaks the amazing love language of humor and sarcasm. Uh, she is the, one of the funniest people I know. She says, like a sarcastic friend in her ear, he says, they're fine. They kept telling me to go get you. <laughs> okay. This story is loaded. It sounds really simple, but I, I want to use this as a guide for what we're about to do um, in communion to encounter him. One, she came to him to talk to, about him. She didn't just pass over that story and have it reinforced to her an idea about Jesus, the abandoner. Can you talk to me about this story? And a couple things that she encountered with Jesus is one, he knew how to talk to her. He made her laugh. The how well he loves her that he knows her, right? She would explain more later. She said, he revealed to me that he was the provider. Because even that joke about, don't worry, they told me to go get you. He, he opened her eyes to see the way he was providing for her in community. The people who loved her. The people who were praying for her. Even when she was running from him. And she was just blown away how he was still taking care of her when she was distant from him. But I also want you to know, and she and I, we were processing this, you don't get to know all of Jesus by just one story. See, in that story, Jesus is revealing himself as Jesus the pursuer. He's going after us. But he's also the Jesus that says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He's both. How can he be both? Because he's outside of time and space, so he can do both at all times. He can stay with me. He can help me while he's going after you. He's doing all of it. He just, wanted, he just wants to encounter us in that place that you're worth pursuing. 
You're worth providing for even when you're not doing right. And so Sarah is healed. She allowed the eye salve to come on her eyes because she let Jesus apply it so she could see him rightly. I was, I was sharing this sermon yesterday with Steve, and he was like, Nikki, you're literally like singing that song that we love to sing, right? Jesus, you're beautiful. If you want to come up on the keys, you know I love to say that, Sean. Yes, indeed. We've sung this song for years and years and years. Spirit of wisdom, open my eyes again. Spirit of revelation, open my heart again. Because I want to see you. Lord, I want to see you rightly, Jesus. He goes on to say, I know that your eyes are like flames of fire. I know that your head is white as wool. I know that your voice, it sounds like water. Jesus, you're beautiful. There's no one like you. Jesus, you're beautiful. I love that song, and it's true. We need the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation to open our eyes again today. Every day, every day is a good day to have him come and enlighten our hearts to see him fresh and anew. And in that part where we sing, you're beautiful, to be truthful with you, I love the song, but that's a little vague for me. My husband has told me I'm beautiful my entire life. He has never once made me feel insecure about how I look. He's been an amazing husband. But beautiful, what did I, I said, what does that mean to you? What does that mean? What about me is beautiful, you know? Because it's a little weird to say, Jesus, you're beautiful. I'm like, what does that mean? He's beautiful when you know you're meditating on the beauty of him pursuing you when you don't know you don't deserve it. When you meditate on the beauty of he'll never abandon me. When you meditate on you're the father that's been with me that helped me deal with nighttime torment. That is beauty for ashes. That is him coming in and replacing our pain with healing. And so as Sean's playing, I want you to take your communion cups, and I, I, we want to take communion today in a fresh way. Then after that, we'll, I've got youth prophetic teams happening. I know, it's amazing. The last thing, I want to say that again, the last thing that hurt you will be the last thing you see if he doesn't heal you. If the pain is bigger than him, you haven't encountered him yet. If all you can see is what they did to you and not what he has done for you, it's time for encounter, y'all. Every day, every single day. So right now, I'm going to release ISAB over your eyes before you take communion because that's what he said, Steve released right now corporately, that that dream he gave to me two years ago that I've been living in privately was now a corporate moment of victory. So right now, Jesus, he's standing literally in front of you. Ho! Oh, and he has eye salve. And he's saying, can I pour it onto your hearts? Where you've been wounded in your hearts. Let me heal the eyes of your hearts. Maybe you've actually seen physically. So see, there's the emotional and spiritual heart, the eyes of our heart. But physically, our eyes, maybe you've seen a lot of bad stuff. I've seen a lot of bad stuff, y'all. And he says, let me put the eye salve, the healing ointment on your literal eyes right now and heal the trauma of what you saw, what happened to you and what happened to others. Let me heal you. He's right there in front of you. So wherever you need it today, 
that situation, that place. Put, if you need on both, that's fine. Put your hand on your heart. Put your hand on your eyes. I salve. This is the oil of heaven. It says Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the oil. It comes from the Messiah, the deliverer of everything you've ever needed. If all you've known is lost, let him come in and heal your eyes so you see the abundance of Jesus. He made a public spectacle of all powers and authorities that were against you. They are defeated. It is finished. See it, see it. Then after you finish right now, receiving that oil on your eyes, just letting him heal you. When you're ready, take the cup, the bread, and the body. And I want you to look at it, the beauty of what you're holding, but make it specific. What is it about that broken body that you're remembering, that you're looking at now, that you're knowing in him because the spirit of wisdom and revelation has revealed it to you today. So I'm not gonna like tell you when to take the bread and the juice. I want this to be a literal encounter with you and Jesus right now. Let him heal you, and then I want you to take that bread. And I want you to know something about his sacrifice. But you need today, because you're not going to get through it without it, y'all. denying like Peter remember Jesus didn't condemn Peter he went and got him back just let him bring you back but that blood just what is it speaking to you that blood is speaking a better word over your life for you not just to hear about it but to know it to know it to own it because your greatest places of defeat your greatest places of wounding are merely a opportunity for the authority of Jesus to be made manifest. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yeah, just blow, blow wind of heaven, blow away ashes. Oh, clothe people where they have felt so vulnerable, clothe them. sing that thank you
right this moment. Do you want to invite our youth prophetic teams up with the coaches? If you need a fresh like encouragement right now where you feel weak and you're like, Nikki, I'm trying to see him. I'm trying to. That's okay. That's, that's why we do this as a body. We do it together. Remember what Sarah said about those fellow sheep that were there for her when she needed them to be. We're, we're here for you too. This is just as much the body as that body we took. We are the body of Christ. Jesus, and you're beautiful in specific ways. You're welcome just to let him continue to minister to your heart, and you're welcome to come up right now and receive encouragement from these amazing, powerful, teams here you're free to you're also free to do whatever you need to do yes yeah Nikki this is so powerful I just want her to pray and just releasing what she carries and just the authority of and the humility and that place of dependence of living and seeing spiritually that we cannot see if he doesn't open our eyes and and I just, want, I just want you to pray just that the eyes of our hearts, what you read in Ephesians 1, I just want you to declare that over us. You do carry that. You carry an authority to release it. And I, I just want you to pray that. Pray that over us. And I want us to stand. And just saying, Lord, we receive. We receive eyes to see. I ask right now, God, of my Lord Jesus Christ, oh, glorious Father, I pray he would give you, each of you here, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation so that you may know him better. I pray now that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, light into the eyes of hearts here, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And I pray right now that you would know his incomparably great power for us who believe fresh faith. I just release the grace of faith right now into each one. I release 
right now an awareness that the same power, the same power that was exerted in Jesus when he rose from the dead is in you. And you are not below anymore. You are above. Because you are in Christ. And he is in you. And I do release the beautiful grace of humility before the face of Jesus who is the fullness of all things. You, Jesus, are wisdom. You, Jesus, are power. You, Jesus, are life. There is none that can save but you. And there may be other places tempting us to go, but only you have the words of life. Only you are life. you if you're if you're being ministered to right now just to stay and linger this morning I was praying in the prayer room and I was driving here and I felt the Lord say I want to I want to touch hearts this morning and you know Jesus in John 14 he says do not let your heart be troubled believe in me and so I just want to encourage you, Nikki talked about unforgiveness, there's jealousy, there's all sorts of things that can get in our hearts, and it can kind of muddy, muddy it around, you know, and it can, it can cloud the way that we're able to see. And so I want to encourage you right now, there's an opportunity to release that to the Lord. So right now, Lord, I just even release unforgiveness to the Lord. If there's a particular place in your heart, you say, man, I have been walking in a place of unforgiveness in this particular area or with this particular person, I just want us to have an opportunity to release that to Him. So Lord, we release unforgiveness, Lord places in our hearts Lord we, we've actually allowed offense we've allowed hurt we've allowed accusation to actually be our sight more than you and we release that to you right now and I ask you Jesus that even as you told the disciples we speak that now do not let your heart be troubled and I ask you right now that you would tend to hearts that feel that they're troubled that you would speak as you can your identity. And right now, Lord, I ask you that you would free hearts, that you would open up hearts that have been guarded, that have been troubled, Lord, right now. And we release fresh eyesight to see you. To see you. To see you. Not to constantly be seeing what you're not doing but to see what you are doing. I just want you to stay here if this is you. Like I really felt this morning that the Lord wanted to tend to hearts. There are hearts that David says in Psalm 50, he says, call upon the name of the Lord in the day of trouble. So Lord, where there's trouble, I ask right now that you would tend to hearts. That you would tend to hearts. 
bitterness has to leave. Open our eyes, spirit of wisdom, spirit of revelation. Open our hearts again. Allow us to see you. Allow us to see you. I just want to encourage you as you go to take what's happening here and to take it with you and to continue to linger in this place with the Lord. Some of us, we need to leave this room and we need to continue to spend time saying, Lord, reveal places in my heart that need to be surrendered to you, that I need to give to you. For some of us, that's even tending to the places where we've, there's been hurt, pain, and trauma. And the Lord says, I want you to see me through it. I want you to see me in the midst of it. So Lord, we just bless that right now, Lord. And I ask you, as we leave this place, Lord, that you would tend to hearts, Lord. That you would tend to hearts right now. Open our eyes to see you. Open our eyes. Open our eyes. Open our eyes. I ask you for encounters this week that would be like Mary when she ran from the tomb in John 20 and she said, I have seen the Lord. I ask you that there would be encounters this week, Lord, where we could say, we have seen you. So we just bless that. I just bless you as you go. We just bless you with the, the prayer that Nikki already quoted in Ephesians. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be awakened to the hope of his calling. So we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we bless what you're doing in the room. I want to encourage you if you're if you're still in the place of ministry to stay there we have youth prophetic teams so come get a word if you need prayer come we'd love to pray for you if you're watching online we just bless you those that are watching from your home from your cars just bless your encounter with the Lord this week we bless you right now. We bless the nations that are watching. Jesus, we bless the encounters this week, Lord.